Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 131. My guest today was inspired to reach out after hearing episode 57, Straight Talk with a Bisexual Man. He himself is bisexual, so of course he had a lot of identification, and shared in the opinion that bisexuality in men is something that needs to be discussed more. So here we are today discussing it some more. Another great thing about my guest is that his reaching out to me and sharing how much he identified validated all of the hopes and dreams that I have for this show, which are that every episode that airs gives somebody out there an opportunity to hear something that makes them say, hey, I guess I'm not the only one and everything's okay, which is really the whole point of this whole show, as you have heard me mention many times before. But anyway, back to my guest. So yes, he's bisexual, he's also Australian, married to a woman, father of several children, possesses a kick-ass sense of humor, and also has a fair amount of somewhat out-of-the-box sexual activity to share with us in lurid detail, which as you know, I love. So rather than spoil any of the surprises for you, we're just going to get to that conversation. So here we go. So Steve, hello, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Brienne, yourself? Pretty, pretty good. So, okay, you, um, I meant to pull up your email, actually, before I did this. So, actually, why don't you just tell me uh, a little bit about yourself and also how you wound up here talking with me today. Went on a road trip a couple of months ago and downloaded some podcasts, somehow one of which was yours. Uh And you were talking to a bisexual man, and that's kind of unusual, you know, the bisexuals often don't exist and you were talking to one and I kind of related and thought ah you sounded interesting I sent you an email and uh after some forth and back now we're talking the person you're talking about that was after months of like attempts at getting many other bisexual men that I know to be willing to talk about it so I was really grateful when you you messaged me because it had the the effect that I had hoped for in, in having a man speak about that, because I do know, you know, it, it, it is different for men than for women, the perception of bisexuality and how accepted it is, how open people are about talking about it. Um, so can you just tell me, I mean, like being bisexual, is it something you always knew about yourself or something that's changed over time? Well, I'm old, hey? so I grew up in Australia in the 60s and 70s. Uh-huh. And bisexual didn't exist. You're either either straight or you're not straight. And not straight is gay, fag, poofter, faggot. You know, it's the worst thing there is in the world. So you had to be a man. And being a man was quite simple. Men had sex with women. Men beat up other men in fights. And men drink more beer than other men. Mm. And so it's really narrowly defined. You're either straight, tough, macho, male, or you're not. That's all there is to it. And it wouldn't have been until my 20s, I think, that the term bisexual was even, uh, the, even the concept. I, I, I never even heard of such a thing. Mm. 
But when I did, it's like, ah, oh, wow, <laughs> I can relate to that. And then, and then at first, of course, bisexual must mean you're half and half, like you have sex with men half the time and women half the time. <laughs> well, well, that, well, no, not like that. And then when I kind of learned that actually it could be that you're mostly one way or some the other, it's complicated. Yeah. Oh, I can relate to that. So it's a long, slow process. So my first marriage uh, dis disintegrated in the late 80s and uh, I spent like a period of promiscuity. My father, he was desperately afraid that uh, he was afraid. He was a homophobe and he kind of like showed me that uh, the worst thing's being gay and he called me, if I cried as a child, he would say, the question in the 60s and 70s, the question towards a man was, what are you? If you're a boy, what are you? You know, what are you? A faggot? What are you? Queer? What are you? You know, that kind of, what are you? Yeah. And so when my first marriage uh, disintegrated, it was kind of like, well, what am I? And I, you know, went to some places. It's easy enough to have sex with men and kind of realise that, oh, yeah, it's okay, but actually having sex with women is pretty good too. <laughs> and I kind of worked out what I am, you know, like hey, I'm somewhere in there. And I became okay with it, like in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So when you, you did first hear that term, though, was it something that somebody said to you or you heard in like some form of media or you read it somewhere? Oh, I went to university as an adult in my early 30s. Mm -hmm. And like so many of us, you know, I did psychology to kind of try and work myself out. Yeah. And I came across that Kinsey scale, you know, you're either a one or two or three or four or five or a six. Yeah. And some people are only, and, and the two concepts, you know, you can have sex with a man or a woman, or you could want to be in a romantic relationship with a man or a woman, or you could uh, fantasize about a man or a woman. Oh, okay. Well, that, oh, I get, so that's where I first came across it was in university studying psychology. Gotcha. And so, but before you, you heard the term, I mean, I imagine, I mean, to have the reaction that you did to it. So that would say that before that, you know, you had attraction to men and women. Is that accurate? Uh, de definitely attracted to women. You know, like I had some young sexual experiences, let's call them inappropriate. That kind of covers a lot of bases. Yeah. And I kind of knew that it was possible to have sex with men, obviously. But it wasn't kind of something that I particularly liked. I just knew you could. And, and same as like with women, actually, I had some inappropriate sexual relationships with women as a child. And, and that kind of like meant that I could do that too. Hmm. You know, like possible, you know, it was yeah. physically possible. But with, I was attracted to women, you know, I like looking at them, I like talking to them, I like touching them. Men, it's kind of like, uh, you know, to be a bit blunt, cocks are good. But, you know, like talking to guys, guys are boring a lot of the time. They're kind of, ah, oh, you know, they're sheltered and they're not truthful and they're kind of hidden and they're almost like, come on, man, you know, like, who are you? And I'm next, you know, like I struggle with a lot of blokes because they're not able to be interesting and they're, they're so fragile. Mm. 
Mm. Whereas women can be, you know, like they're fun to be with. I got you. So the <laughs> first marriage, that was with a woman as well, I assume, right? That, that was with a woman, yeah. All okay. of my marriages have been with women. <laughs> and you're married right now. And I'm married now. And I've been married to this woman for the last 15 years. Yeah. And, of course, there's people that think, well, you can't be bi because you're married. Right. It, it's just a fact. That's how some people think. Many people yeah. think like that. So I don't and, think it. Go on. <laughs> well, I mean, in I mean, how many marriages have you had? I guess number one. Well, it depends if you count, you know. <laughs> with the, uh, legally, three. Okay. But, uh, I've been with long-term relationships with women only. I haven't had a marriage or a romantic relationship with a man. Yeah. But have you been open with all the women you've had marriages and or long-term relationships with about being bisexual? Shit, no. The first woman, (laughs) you know, this was back in the, uh, we we got together in the 70s. It just wasn't an option. Hmm. You know, the uh, homosexual men were seen as disgusting. And then with the whole AIDS epidemic, there was the fear of being infected by the man. Right. And, you know, is a, there was that question, are bisexual men the vector that brings AIDS to heterosexual women? Yeah. And, you know, the answer is no, but we didn't know that back then. And so my first marriage, no. My second marriage was kind of a little bit puzzling. Looking back, uh, we kind of did the... I don't know what the term would be. We'd call it sport fucking. Her and I fucked a lot of blokes together and women. We were like, you know, open. We had a lot of sex with a lot of people. Right. Like swingers? Swingers, yes. Swingers, orgies, kind of like, you know, male, male, female, 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 male, you know, groups. It was kind of open slather, if you like. Yeah. And, and But she never saw me, therefore, as gay. Like, that's ridiculous. For a person that grasps it, you know, you're not gay if you have sex with a man, if you're having sex with women too. How can you be? Well. <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> I know there's people that, but she never thought that. And the wife that I have now, she, I mean, what I learned, as I got older and older, I learned that it's better to tell people the truth. Yeah. And then they can select themselves out rather than me hiding and trying to include them in. So when I met her, she I, I told her about my sexual past. It's not like I said I'm bisexual, but I told her that I had sex with men, with women, with groups of women, with groups of men, and let her work it out for herself. Yeah. And she basically said she's not into that. Right. And so we don't do that. But she doesn't judge you for it, it sounds like. Well, she hasn't told me that she doesn't want to be with me. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> you told her this, though, at, like before you were married or this is after you were already married? Oh, no, no. This would be like in the first week, you know. Like, oh, good, good, good. Yeah. You can't, you, I don't believe you can kind of be with someone for two years and then <laughs> sit them down and go, oh, darling, there's something I need to tell <laughs> Whoa, holy moly. That's good. That could go badly, yeah? Yeah. It does happen sometimes, though. But, yeah, but that's good. <laughs> That horrible Freddie Mercury movie where Freddie is, the scene is he's telling the woman that he loves, Hmm. that that great song that he wrote, the whole world singing that he loves her. Yeah. And then she asks him, but what about men? And he goes, oh, I'm bisexual. 
And in the movie, she says, no, Freddie, you're gay. And she gets up, takes her ring off, gives it to him and leaves. Now, that's a scene repeated hundreds and hundreds of times. It's a tragedy. Yeah. So, but I mean, I I have a friend, a girlfriend, and I'm I'm just like, I'm wondering like how much you've spoken with your wife about her feelings on this, because I, I have a girlfriend who... Uh, she's dating somebody who's bisexual and she was really threatened by it in the beginning, you know, this distrust of, well, does this really mean that he's gay and he just hasn't come to terms with it? Does this mean I have to worry he's going to leave me for a man? You know, the comparison of it. Um, I mean, has your wife ever expressed any concerns along those lines? Well, no, because and here's the, your friend is normal if usual and typical is normal. Mm-hmm. worrying that a man that says he's bi is actually gay, worrying that he's going to leave you, worrying that he's going to cheat on you. I mean, why wouldn't you? Because a lot of blokes exactly do that. Yeah. But in my case, I'm really clear. I'm not saying I'm bi because I don't know how to say I'm gay. Right. And I'm not wanting to have sex with her as some sort of camouflage to hide myself from other society while I go and have sex with men. I believe that she just has, from day one, decided to trust me. I'm telling the truth. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to do, to trust somebody. Yeah. But how do you, I mean, do you struggle with, like, having a certain type of physical desire that's not getting fulfilled because you are married to a woman? And because, like you said, she's not into swinging and and doing those things with you? Yes, I do struggle. However, though, it's kind of like as the decades have gone by, I've learned how to do it. Hmm. And my, my father did see me struggle with my sexuality of being promiscuous in my 20s. And he did say to me one time, actually, it does get easier as you get older. Yeah. And, and I think physically it's the case. I mean, getting old sucks and, you know, I used to wake up in the morning with a raging erection. It doesn't happen like that quite the same now. Yeah. And, and you know, that urge to want to have sex with someone that in my 20s, it's different to in my 60s. And, and here's the other thing too, Brienne. When I was in my first marriage, I did struggle and want what I didn't have. And I blamed her for not allowing me to have it, even though I never asked for it. Yeah, that's kind of unfair and yeah. it's not helpful. I've had so much sex in my life with so many people that I understand that I could. But yeah. then I'd have other consequences. So, you know, the idea, you actually can have anything, but you can't have everything. Yeah, great struggle of life. <laughs> we do, we struggle. You, uh, in an ideal world, my partner would want to have the sex that I want to have all the time in every case. And I don't live in that world. Is your marriage like a closed monogamous marriage? It is a closed monogamous marriage indeed, yeah. So anybody, yeah, anybody, heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, pansexual, or otherwise, like if they're in a monogamous relationship, that's always like you're sleeping with just this one person and whether you want to be sleeping with men or women or whatever, the fact that you're choosing to sleep with one person, like you're still, you know, living in that way where you're, you're uh, 
ignoring kind of all of the, the other people. But when it comes to having, you know, to, to being interested in, in people beyond who you're partnered with, I almost wonder if it's um, like for me, I'm, I'm a kinky person and I have kinky leanings, but there are always times where I'm like vacillating between like vanilla and kinky relationships. And I, I'll be in a vanilla relationship and be like, oh, this is something that, you know, is fine forever. And then the longer it goes on, it's like, because that part of my appetite isn't getting satisfied, it feels like that's not the relationship for me. And I just wonder if like having this attraction, this experience that you're into that can't be had in that partnership you're currently in if it's like this a similar struggle of like wanting a certain type of of sex or or power dynamic or something that's not there do you does that make any sense to you does it does it sound completely <laughs> counter to what your experience is or it, it makes complete sense like the woman that I met now I never imagined I was going to be with her for a period of time. Mm. Like there's people that I have sex with, there's many, many people that I would have sex with once and would never contemplate having sex with them again. Yeah. And there's some people that I might have sex with again. You know, there's mostly, most of my sexual encounters are kind of one and done, if you know what I mean, like especially with blokes. God, it, to find a bloke you want to have sex with more than twice, that's rare. <laughs> <laughs> but it does happen. However, though, with this woman, I just imagine we'd meet and we're kind of, I, I was just passing through and, you know, she was kind of hot and I liked having sex with her and she was saying how she doesn't have sex with lots of people, she just has this kind of sex and there's nothing wrong with having sex with a woman, just kind of what people would call vanilla sex. I, I don't mind doing that. Okay. The, the idea that it was going to go on for months and months and then turn into years and then somehow the years turned into 15 Back at the beginning, I kind of thought, well, hey, it's, we'll call it vanilla, but I don't mind vanilla, but it won't last, so what does it matter? <laughs> and it did last. And, and so probably, I don't know, a year ago, I kind of sat her down when we had one of those, you know, deep and meaningful conversations, and that's what I said to her, that, you know, as she knew before I met her, I, I just call it I was promiscuous and, you know, had sex with, and I say, with lots of people. And she knows that. And I said, but when we got together, it was clear that we weren't going to do that. But and I never imagined we'd be together still. So maybe we could do something different. And there's something different. We, you know, we went to a few orgies, if you like, just to watch. And we went to some, like, sex parties and watched. And she was clear, actually, she doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And I like to be involved in it. You know, so watching people have sex is fun. And she doesn't mind doing that. But she doesn't want to be involved in the having the actions of it. Yeah. And I struggle, you know, my preference would be that she does. But there are so many other things in our life together, so many parts of her that I think are fabulous that you, as I said before, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything. Yeah. And that's just a thing that, that part of me, and I believe that, you know, having so many experiences in my life with other people in other situations I, I know that I can do that. I know what it's like. 30 years ago, I kind of yearned to find that out. And now I don't have to. Yeah. That gives me some peace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. Job interviews. Do you have any organizational skills? 
and to say, yeah, I've organised a few orgies. <laughs> it's, it's hard work. But, you know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so tell me about when, when you were young and you first, well, okay. I have a couple of questions for you because, you, you know, I ask everybody, like, how did you first learn about sex? What were your first experiences like? But I'm also, you know, curious about like what it was like when you had sex with a man or, or any kind of sexual experience with a man for the first time. So I know I just laid a bunch of questions on you, but please answer. Uh, it better. <laughs> God damn. <sighs> My first experience with a man was him giving me oral sex. Uh-huh. And it was like, Holy shit! This feels good. Like it's it's a it's a sexist thing to say. Men are better at giving head jobs than women, <laughs> and, and you're not you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> but it was like, wow, hey, this is pretty good. You know, there's no teeth involved. You know, it's not dry. It's not hurt. Man, it's like, come on, can we get onto the real deal? <laughs> that was my first experience with a man. Hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> oh dear. And so that came after having already had received, like having received a blowjob from a woman, I guess, right? That you can have. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, my as a as a young adult, uh, I had sex with women, and it wasn't until that uh, marriage finished in my late twenties that I kind of went, oh yeah, maybe my dad was right. I am gay. Let's go and find sex with men. And the kind of experience was, hey, yeah, it feels pretty good, but now I'm not gay because I still want to have sex with women. And actually uh, penis into vagina sex is my preference. If you like, that's what I like doing most. It feels the best. So, but you said you grew up in the sixties and seventies and I'm thinking about, you know, like you already mentioned Freddie Mercury, but David Bowie's like, infamously bisexual married to a woman is married to at least two women. I'm as far as I know, I don't have like a full um, in-depth history of him, but I mean, seeing, and and also like the way uh, like the kind of glam rock and the styling of men and like the kind of loose sexuality that that was out and the way, you know, men were wearing makeup and dressing in ways that, you know, were not, you know, standard macho fare. I mean, did that, influence you at all or like make you feel more comfortable with the things you were feeling and going through well it kind of did but here's the thing like the, the 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 working class culture i grew up in was absolutely terrified of anything to do with that type of sexuality yeah and it needed to be crushed and any man that looked like that needed to be crushed and demeaned and belittled and and as a young man before I had sex with men, I loathed and despised those men that would belittle somebody because of who they had sex with. Right. And here's the thing, like, just as an aside, I was one of those young children that was beaten up. And as I got to be an adult, I was one of those typical young boys that grow up to be an adult man that learns to beat up other men. Right. And so what I would do is I would purposefully go out of my way to antagonise those macho men. Like, I used to wear lipstick and mascara as an aggressive kind of, they would look at me like they wanted to say, oh, you're poofter. And I'd go, no, you're a fucking soft cock because you're too fucking weak to bloody challenge me. Now, fuck off. (laughs) And, And... think it was funny (laughs) like belittle them for not being tough enough to demean me oh uh, it was years later that I actually was involved in sex with men and realized one thing I know it just doesn't matter 
Yeah. It's, just, it's really not very significant who you have sex with, in my opinion. Mm. So, Except for the fact that it's our identity. Right. That's kind of important. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's funny, though, because I've had... Um, I had this young couple who was on, well, actually, I mean, they were part of a bigger polycule, but um, they're, they're very young by, by our standards, like right now in this time, you know, they're in their early twenties and, you know, we were talking about, um, well, I mean, I was sharing with them, you know, being 41, there's a certain envy that I have for people of this time, because there are so many labels and there's almost, because there are so many labels and things that you can be, it's almost like the labels are meaningless in a yeah, certain absolutely. way. Yes. You know, like, yes. does it even really matter that I, I need to say that I'm interested in this versus that? Like, can't we, can we just be, but they brought up the very important point of having the language for that, you know, lets people know that it's okay and it like it gives them um kind of ownership over it and a feeling of like legitimacy to their feelings if they are struggling and that the labels are in fact very important right now so it's just funny like you know you're it's you're even older than than I am like do you feel at this point though you've like transcended the label of bisexuality even like or is it still important to you well I use it because it makes me feel true to myself yeah and 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 I, I have a fair bit to do with young people as well and and I also kind of envy their ability to just not be bothered like it's no actual big deal compared to when I was young yeah and and the complexity that they're allowed whereas we were only ever allowed to be gay or gay or straight and gay was bad there was no there was nothing else it it's an interesting time. Uh, I, yeah, I, I use bye, and and I say to my friends when they leave, I go bye, and, <laughs> and my friends kind of go, yeah, goodbye, and it's a joke, yeah? Yeah. And I say to my friends, ah, oh, I might swing by later, <laughs> and some of them go, yeah, how could you not? <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. Uh, but it's also acknowledgement and truth and, and not hiding and, and not shameful. So much of this people are ashamed of. Yeah. And that's what I believe we need to let go of. Yeah, agreed. And so you said you grew up in Australia. So is that where if you received any sex education as part of like schooling, did that happen for you? And if you did, can you tell me about it? Because I've heard some very interesting tales of Australian sex education. Uh, it's just so peculiar, even worse, a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So sex education was just ridiculous. It was biology. It was about procreation. It was right. about how babies are made. That's all sex education was. Mm -hmm. And one of my clearest memories, we went into this class, into this room. We were about 13 years old, all boys together, and they put on this movie, and it was about how babies are made, and there was this cartoonist picture of a penis ejaculating <laughs> semen and I can remember getting getting excited and going fuck that looks pretty cool <laughs> and thinking man there's something wrong with me <laughs> so that that was sex education sex is bad sex makes babies that's all sex is right yeah so I mean given that and you know the way you've described your father I mean was 
I mean, was there, was your upbringing at home also Catholic or was that just like the school that you went to? Meaning like, were you encouraged to wait until you were married to have sex or was it kind of like you're, if you're a real man, you're going to have sex with women and kind of like a challenge to do that? There was no uh, Catholicism in the house. That was all down at the church and the school. Yeah. My father was a very strange man. He took me to the church when I was like five and six years old for two years like it was a big deal and then never did it again. Yeah. But what he would do is he would drop me at the church and then he would go to the pub and drink and pick me up on the way back. <laughs> and, and I can clearly remember him dropping me at the church and saying that something really important was happening in there. But he also said, it's not the prick up the front in the dress. <laughs> and I can remember going into this church, looking around, looking for the really important thing and ignoring completely the man at the front because my father told me it's not him. <laughs> oh, it was on. <laughs> what was he referring to? What was I, I, My understanding is that he was talking about spirituality and that there was some hope to be found in religion that isn't the man at the front telling me what to do. I got don't, look, don't look to him. Is there the same puzzle? Yeah. Is there the same problem in Australia? I mean, I, I know that it is worldwide, but like was the perception at that time, you know, that, that like there's a danger to priests with, with children and young boys, especially? Oh God. I, I went to a Catholic school. And you know, when you leave school first, people ask, what school did you go to? It's kind of important in those earlier years. Yeah. And I would name the school I went to. It's a Catholic boys' school. And I'd then point to myself and say, beaten, not raped. <laughs> and, and I've said that hundreds and hundreds of times. And what I was looking for was for somebody, anybody, to say, what do you mean? Now, I understand some people may have not known what I meant and didn't say, but in those hundreds and hundreds of times in the 70s and 80s where I said the Catholic school that I went to and then said beaten, not raped, never once did a person say, what do you mean? Yeah. They knew. People knew. It's mm -hmm. awful. Yeah. 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 Just the, that's sick. Um. So, well, I mean, I want to dive more into like what you enjoy with men. Cause I, I love how you were talking about how, you know, like the cocks are great, but talking to them is a whole other story. So, I mean, oh, this is one thing I say, hey, I would have had sex with a lot more men. <laughs> if, like I've, if I've got low standards, hey, to have sex with a man, he's got to cut his fingernails <laughs> and, he's, and he's got to wash underneath his balls where his cock touches. <laughs> and after he comes, if he just spends a couple of minutes kind of being nice, not like I now disgust him, like, hey, is that too much to ask? No. And I think it seems like the answer is yes, a lot of the time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so when, you, when you're with men, like, do you have a preference? With, are you a top or a bottom or, like, always fly with you, everything's great? Like, what, well, what do you like the most? I guess I, 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 put, I, I present as a macho man. I'm big, I'm tall, I'm tough, I'm strong, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, so I present as macho. 
And it's easier just to follow that kind of, you know, social scripts. If you just do what people expect of you, things easier. So yes. it's easy for me to be a top. To be a bottom, which I'm kind of am interested in and would would more often, but you've got to trust them. Yeah. How do you find a man you can trust? It's not easy. <laughs> so, yeah, most of the time I'm a top because that's easy. I just do what I want. See you later. Yeah. But if I wanted to be a bottom, then you've got to invest the time to trust them. And so it's so hard to find a man that you can trust not to hurt you sexually. Do you know about this? <laughs> I do. I mean, everything <laughs> that you're saying, actually, when you were first just saying how you would have slept with even more men if I was expecting you to be like, if I could have at least had a conversation with them, because I too don't feel like, well, dick size preference aside, I don't feel like my standards are that dramatic, but like, I do want to be able to have a conversation with anybody that I have sex with. And it is very difficult to find a man who can do that. But then these other, you know, check marks that you were talking about, the washing properly and uh, the trimming of the nails, eh, not so much. I mean, if they're washed properly, that's that's one thing. If they wear deodorant, whatever. But yeah, it, it's, I, I absolutely identify with what you're saying. And I, I can just imagine how many more people uh, do because it is a common thing. And, you know, what one would argue is one of the benefits of sleeping with women is that generally speaking, not of course always the case, but they're generally their hygiene is better. Uh, you know, their courtesy, the etiquette is, is, is better. And they're just generally a little bit nicer and, and more empathetic. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. However, <laughs> though, of course, you, you probably can relate. There's people that I've been with, and we're talking, and all I can think is, you need to shut up. Like, <laughs> yep. You need to stop talking now. We we could be having sex, but if you keep talking, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, I was just, um, <laughs> I had gone out on a date with a guy, and we were supposed to have a second date. So in the week between, so we went out on a Saturday. By that Tuesday, I was so sick of communicating with him that, like, <laughs> <laughs> the date has not happened, but it was like, God, gee, why do you need to like so much validation and to talk so much? Like, ugh, just shut up. Like we could have just gone the whole week, checked in maybe three times, had a great date. We could have slept together. Like we never got a chance to sleep together. Supposedly as this big dick, I will never know. And you know, all because of communication. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway, so, sometimes when I'm talking to women, they seem to be a little puzzled about some men's behavior. <laughs> and, and one of the phrases that I use is, hey, you cannot plumb the depths of a man's insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at, like, so many men are so deeply insecure. They need validation continually. They need to be affirmed. Oh, God, it's so boring. <laughs> So do you have a preference for dick size? Oh, yeah, big's good. <laughs> so but, but, I mean, what is your experience with that as, you know, with women? I mean, are you, are, do you expect that women have that same feeling? Are you offended when they do? Like, what are, how do you feel about that? Oh, well, that's the other thing too, you know, like it's easy to be into big dick size if you're a man with a big dick. <laughs> and, and, and also, it's easy to be comfortable with a woman who's into big size if you've got a big dick. Right. But here's the other thing, too. As a woman, it's it's kind of like, you know how it's not okay to say you like to get dick pics? Right. Well, it's not okay to say you prefer big dicks either because not size is not supposed to matter. <laughs> I know. 
Here's the joke, though. Have you heard this one? The guy with the small penis takes his pants. He meets a woman. They go home. He takes his pants off. He's got a small penis. And she says, who are you going to satisfy with that? And he goes, me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get more hate mail after this, but it's okay. It's worth it. Um, (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) Now I've lost my train of thought. I'm just imagining. But here's the thing, though. Just on dick size, like sucking them, I prefer smaller ones. You know, there's those guys that want to stick it down your throat? Yep. yep. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) Get out of it. (laughs) But, okay, but you're, you're in, you know, so have you never been bottomed or it just hasn't happened as much as you would like? Never happened as much as I would prefer. And also, I don't know if it's a hormonal thing or what, you've got to be in the headspace for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really do think it's about trust. And there's, you know, I, I struggle to trust people because a lot of people are untrustworthy. <laughs> The, the that could I, be my issue, yeah. No, no, it's. I mean, I think it's it's for everybody. There's trust is always <laughs> it's always a struggle. But I, I was asking because, um, like, I know women who are like, oh, penis size doesn't matter. But like, they they're concerned more of like, well, if anal sex is on the table, like their preference is always like, okay, it would be okay with a certain size dick, but once you you pass a certain threshold, it's like don't come near me with that thing. So, and it's similar to what you're saying with like blowjobs, like it's easier. Well, I mean, this very small ones, it, it is a struggle, but like the giant ones that you're going to choke on with barely being in your mouth, that's a struggle. But like, if you were to be bottoming with somebody who's gigantic, I imagine that's, you know, yeah, it's a physical, a literal physical struggle. Like there's even <laughs> beyond headspace, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to be more prepared and, and- for that. As a young man, I lived in a world where big penises were better than, you know, that was better than smaller penises. Mm. And that's kind of like the culture, if you like. But my very best friend as a late teenager, early, early 20s, had like, I didn't realise back then because I hadn't seen that many penises, he had a massive penis. Yeah. And he was proud of it, and he would show it. And back in those days, him and I would ha- have sex with the same woman, or we'd share women, or we'd you know have them pass them between us from one week to the next. And and I can clearly remember the first time that him and I were having sex with two women in the room, and I heard the woman he's with go, ah! <laughs> and and he was telling me later that his penis is so big that he can't thrust all the way into any woman without yeah. banging her in the cervix and her going, ah, and I'm like, really? <laughs> Shit. Like, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> and grasping that having a massive penis isn't always a really good thing and that it can hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Too much of a good thing. Actually, the the first really giant penis I encountered, I was like 16 and having a threesome. And the girlfriend that it was her boyfriend and she was like, you have to see his massive penis. Like it was so big. You couldn't put your your fingers couldn't touch around it. Like the like the girth of a (laughs) beer can. Oh, my God. Yeah, there is definitely too much of a good thing. (laughs) But I'm, I want to talk, well, do you have other, I don't want to cut you off, please. Cheryl, I, was gonna say, I was in a dark room of one of those uh, gay bathhouse things. Yeah. And, and have, there was a whole bunch of guys and I had my hand around. I'm thinking, 
holy shit, is this this guy's leg? <laughs> is, is it his arm? It's like, no, it's got a penis head on it. <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm like, I can still remember. Like, it's almost like my both hands couldn't go around it. It's like, what is this? <laughs> but it's like nothing I want to get anywhere too close to. What did you do? Did you just walk away or you like, what happened? It was in a dark room of a gay bathhouse, so it was kind of like a whole bunch of uh, blokes. And actually, him and I did go separately, but there was almost nothing I could do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you put it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with your wife, though, um, well, or with any woman, I mean, have you ever, like, done strap-on play? Is that something that appeals to you? No, or? no it's like I've, I've, I've been open to it, mm-hmm. but number one, like, People often don't have strap-ons. You've got to provide your own. <laughs> <laughs> and and so the answer is no. And and I would be into it, but no, it hasn't happened. All right. I mean, you could have a shopping trip. It could be like a little adventure, the procuring of the strap-on. That's true, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> it just hasn't been my experience, you know. Uh, yep, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So, I mean, are there other things like ass play or things that you're into with your wife that like might help kind of bridge the gap, you know, between things that you're you're not getting outside of the relationship? Well, we, you know, we have we have like a, a big dildo penis type thing. Yeah. And and we kind of we call them like it's a man's name, you know. It's not a black penis or a Chinese penis. It's a white penis. We call him Mister White. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes Mister White will come and play, and you know Mister White's here, and she'll use Mister White on me or around me, or you know, it's kind of like it's a it's a third, if you like. Yeah. When you watch porn, I mean, is there a pattern, or you're kind of like all different types? Well, I guess I. Uh, Porn, I'm kind of, I didn't grow up with porn. Mm-hmm. And so you porn and get porn tube and stuff kind of, uh, it's too much uh, like pixels. I understand it's a fantasy that doesn't kind of work for me. Yeah. It, it's so unrealistic. And uh, however, though, what, I, what I, my preference is kind of like um, uh, orgy kind of male, male, female, um, and, and also, yeah, gay porn's okay too. And, and here's the thing. Like, I just have an unending list of ability to, of situations of making other men feel bad about their sex. <laughs> and, and, you know, when guys, when guys make comments about poofters and fags and queers and gays, yeah. one of the things I can say to them was, I say to them is, hey, you know when you're jerking off, do you think it's your cock getting the pleasure? And they look at me and I go, try doing it with gloves on. <laughs> I'm going, it's your hand, mate. You like touching cocks. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> oh, which, which reminds me, this is really important to me. Hey, I've worked in macho environments, you know, uh, law enforcement, you know, uh, building sites where it's just absolutely not okay to be gay. Yeah. And they're continually like it's. Let's try and be the most macho. Let's. It, it's just a. It's boring. It's, I'm just not interested. And so, what I learned, I don't know, twenty years ago, I learned this phrase: guys are paying out on homosexuals, and I just interrupt them and go, "Hey, 
I've fucked enough blokes to know I'm not gay. <laughs> and they look at me and they're just like uncomfortable and move on and they never mention it again when I'm around. <laughs> and I'm happy with that. One of the things I'm really proud of is there's a young man that has heard me say that and he told me a year or two ago that uh, he's in his early 20s, I think, and he said that he was somewhere where a man walked in with like effeminate clothing and the guys that he was with kind of, oh, look at that puffed account. And, and he said, well, actually, none of the guys I've ever fucked look like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, ah, and just move on. It's just such a lovely way to shut them down yeah. because they're not brave yeah. enough to talk about it. Yeah. You know, I couldn't be in that conversation and not say, well, what do you mean? Well, how many guys have you fucked? <laughs> <laughs> but they don't, eh? They're just terrified of the topic. And, and I'm happy that they walk away knowing never to bring it up when they're around me. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you're very open with your friends about it. I'm really open with my friends about it, yeah, yeah. because I'm really clear now. If you're not okay with it, don't be my friend. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. And I find that out real early on. It's kind of like a hurdle they've got to get over. If they're not okay with the fact that I've had sex with men and women, don't talk to me. Yeah. In your present day, like what's really, what gets you off the most? Uh, being wanted. You know, if a woman that wants to have sex with me, that's exciting. A man that wants to have sex with me, that's exciting. Being wanted, you know, someone yeah. that thinks I'm hot, that, that's what I want. And the, the, the rest kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Are there even anything, is there anything left that you haven't tried that you want to try? Not so much, but I can remember being young and reading about that Marquis de Sade dude. Yeah. sadist guy and that actually you know hurting people wasn't his big thing i can remember reading that oh god oh, i've been 15 years old reading that what he really liked was him being in a woman while a man was in him <laughs> yeah and i'm like whoa holy <laughs> moly is that a thing <laughs> how do you do that and oh you know god damn trying to have sex with one person can be difficult trying to get like two people into that position and it has happened and it is something that I'd be keen on, but oh, it's so difficult to arrange. So how was it when it happened? Was it as satisfying as you hoped it would be or? Nah, the guy was hopeless, you know, like there's so many guys that have they never been penetrated themselves? I think so. Have they never stuck anything in their own ass? I think so. They just get there and push. Whoa, hang on a second, hold up. Like, oh, have you got no idea how to do it? So, yeah, there's these guys that think they're going to have hanal sex, and they and this is porn tube, isn't it? Some guy spits on his hand once and jams it in. Mm. Oh, fuck, that's not what's happened. You know, she's been taking the anal dilation drugs. You know, it's like, come on. I mean, it really is a problem. You're describing all sorts of matter of complications. I've been to a few orgies and it, it always comes down to me being frustrated and leaving because something like that happens. Like the, the last one, the last draw, I was with a guy who was like claiming that he's a dom because he brought two submissive women with him, but like clearly had no idea about what it really meant. Had not trimmed his fingernails, right? 
which I found yeah. out because he unceremoniously jammed them up my ass. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like no lube, no asking or whatever. And like with the nails, it like you've never, you don't know. And the fact that these women that are with you are not telling you is like, and how many women before them never said anything. Oh. Uh, the thing, the list of people, list of things that people don't know and just go and do because they've seen it in porn and because nobody ever stops them in real life. It's just, it's infuriating. It, it is. It, 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 I, I can't even speak on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what can you share with us about your experience as a bisexual man that, that we might not know or that people who don't know anything, like wh what do you think are the, the big areas of ignorance how about the fact that it even really exists you know it's not a way station to gay right even though it is for some of course <laughs> and there's the complexity i just said it isn't mm -hmm. and then i said it is and, or <laughs> it could be <laughs> god damn there's this idea that you're either or and to move from either to or, obviously, you can go past by. People do. But just because somebody is there doesn't mean they're going there. It's, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. and, and really, what does it matter about somebody else? You know, in my circle, there's a woman that's nearly as tall as me, and she's big, and, and lots of people want to talk about whether she's gay, bi, straight, whether she's a man or a woman. It's kind of like a topic of conversation. Yeah. And I'm not interested. I always interrupt people and go, well, and by people, I mean men. Yeah, men are people. <laughs> and I interrupt them and go, well, hang on a second. If we're not fucking her, what does it matter whether she's got a bigger clitoris than your cock? <laughs> and, and, no, and I just stop talking then because I'm open to be told what it matters. <laughs> of course, it doesn't matter. And so whether someone's bi, gay, straight, pan or queer, how does it matter to someone else unless they want to have sex with them? But even then, I struggle. But, yeah. right, but even, even then, then, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> even then, you could say my buy means that if I want to have sex with someone, I don't care what's in their pants. Yeah. Are there less um, frustrating um, reactions from people or like do more discrimination or less discrimination? Like has people's reaction to you being bisexual, is it different now than it was 20 years ago? Or do you feel like you're still dealing with the same shit? I think it's the same. I mean, a couple of years ago, I went to an organisation that actually had the letters LBGT in the organisation. Yeah. And I was there. And at the end of the meeting, someone came up to me and said the question, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, uh... Like, isn't it fucking obvious? Uh, what do I say here? Uh, and people that kind of knew me had heard that and they looked at them and they're looking, what, what? And these people said, well, he's bi. And this person goes, huh? No, he's married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. And, and everyone in the room was kind of like, for fuck's sake. And they kind of went, oh, oh, I see. <laughs> and, uh, and, but that... That is just so continual. Yeah. And it's 20 years ago, and I think it might be changing for young people, you know, like, but but still, I think many women are terrified that 
if the man says he's bi, he's going to cheat on her or he's going to find a guy with a bigger cock that he'll leave her for. Or, and I don't, that does happen, but it's not a necessity. It doesn't have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're at the end of the day, you're in a relationship that requires compromise and, you know, commitment and monogamy, just like other relationships and the fact that you're bisexual or, or if anybody has any other designation or no designation, like doesn't change the facts of the relationship that they find themselves in, you know. Absolutely. I mean, my wife and I were out with some people a little a while ago and you know how there's, I, I call them straights, the way that they want to kind of salaciously talk about other people's sex lives. Right. Like giggle and kind of see it as a little bit naughty, dirty stuff. Anyway, they were talking about some couple where one of the couples transitioned their gender. And that was all very tittering and <laughs> who's going to be having sex with who now? And, <laughs> and it's just not a conversation I'll even want to have. If they wanted to tell me about their fantasies about fucking some transgender, I'd be into that. But no, tittering about someone else's. So anyway, I turned to my wife and kind of nudged her and said, don't worry, darling. If you transition, I'd still fuck you. <laughs> we all laughed and moved on. I think that's the answer to a lot of things. Just laugh and move on. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Maybe just one thing, you know, like I reckon it's possible that I've sounded fairly comfortable and fairly confident and fairly open, but there is a part of me that worries that my children might hear this hmm. okay. and go, really? Or my mother-in-law might hear it and go, I told you all along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is that, you know, there is a fear of being found out. Yeah. By people that will judge and belittle and demean. So, but this is interesting because I think I was just assuming that you didn't have children. So what is it like with your kids though? And like, what I mean, what is your approach to handling sex education with them? Oh, look, it's kind of shocking, but I believe that I need to tell my children the truth about me if yeah. I want them to tell me the truth about them. Right. Okay. And so when my eldest boy was about 11, he was living with me, not with his mum and I had split up. He was living with me in a house that another man also lived in. We weren't sex partners. It was a three bedroom house. My son had a room. I had a room. The other man had a room. But to the people in the neighborhood, they were teasing my son that I must be gay because I live with a man and there's no woman there. Right. And so my son said to me, he said to me, have you ever had sex with a man, Dad? And I'm like, whoa, give me a moment here. <laughs> uh, and I said to him, actually, yeah, the answer is yes. You know, when your mum and I separated, you know, your grandfather had called me a faggot all of my life. So I went and checked to see whether I was gay and I worked out that I'm not. <laughs> now, he didn't ask me any more. We didn't go into any other details at that point. Yeah. He just went, oh, okay, and we moved on. You wouldn't be surprised to know that boy tells me the truth about his life, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's common as anything for parents to lie to their children about who they are and then want their children to tell the truth. doesn't happen like that. Yeah. I think I have talked to my – I've got six children. I have talked to all of my, I have my adult children about sex, obviously, and, and there is, I have said to them all that I have wondered about why writing an autobiography. 
but then I worry that they might be bothered or judge me. Yeah. And I think all of them have kind of said the same flavour, meaning, hey, we wouldn't be surprised whatever it is, Dad. So just chill out. Don't blame us for not doing it. And I still haven't been brave enough to. But that's great that they they feel that way. I mean, and, but it's also a testament to like how you've communicated with them. I mean, is it even just not, you know, out of a parent-child relationship, like demonstrating vulnerability and, and demonstrating openness with somebody is the best way for them to do the same with you, right? Like it's just unreasonable expectation to like be withholding to somebody and then be like, okay, but now you, you be the one <laughs> who shares everything and trusts me implicitly, but I'm not going to do the same with you. You know, well, this is important to me, you know, so many, we call them parents as if they're adults, but anyway, we'll call them parents. How, how, this is the experience that I know about. Two mothers sitting at the, at the table talking and they've got a 13-year-old daughter each over on the couch supposedly watching TV or whatever, but they can hear what they're saying. <laughs> and the two women are saying, oh, didn't you know, Jenny, you know, there's that dirty fucking slut down the road there, 15 years old, got pregnant. <laughs> That's naughty. Yeah. And, and then on the way home, the mother turns to the daughter and says, you, knew, you do know, darling, hey, you can talk to me about anything. <laughs> <laughs> my, my eldest daughter tells that it's a joke. I, I went one, During one of my promiscuous periods, I used to go to an STD clinic. It's a free test. And on the way out, you know, pick up a paper bag full of condoms and lube. Yeah. And then I would go to the post office and post them to her. And so she was at her house. She might have been 18, 19 years old at uni and she's in a house and the mailman comes and this package comes and they're like, what is it? And she goes, oh, it's from my dad. And she's like putting it away. No, what is it? Well, you know, because lots of dads don't mail packages to their daughters. What, yeah. What's in it? What is she's No, no, no. She knows. She knows what's in it. No, come on. And go, okay. Then she opens it and it's like, you know, 100 condoms, 100 packets of loot. <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh, she tells a story that what the general consensus in that room was amongst eight girls was that when they were 15, their mother came in with a packet of three condoms and gave them to them. Yeah. And expected them to last for the year. And they all, <laughs> oh, they were gone that weekend. <laughs> but the mothers just don't get it. Yeah. Uh, but this, I mean, again, with your, your kids being the way that they are, that it also says to me that you like the way that you talk about how you, you handle situations, you know, in public or in work sites and with your friends or whatever, like that carries, like that's, that's the kind of communication that your kids are overhearing. Right. So they're hearing you, I imagine, unless you, you stop making those jokes when you're at home, but I, I, it's, <laughs> it sounds like you would still make those jokes at home. And that's why they're comfortable with it, that they're comfortable with you and they would then in turn be comfortable with themselves and others, right? I, I believe that's true. You know, a week or two ago, my 35-year-old son overheard me and then later said, this is what happened. I was, I was telling people, I was outside with some random bloke, doesn't matter, and a woman walked past and he whistled at her. You know, that, that wolf whistling thing. Yeah. And she turned around, the look on her face, it wasn't a smile, it wasn't a big happy, it was kind of like, what the fuck? And she kept walking. I said to the bloke, what was that about? And he goes, oh, you know, I was 
and he's defending himself. And I said, did you see the look on her face? She didn't look happy. He said, it's a compliment I was giving her. It's her problem if she doesn't want to take it that way. I said to him, if you like, I could give you her experience. Would you like that? And he goes, huh, what? He hardly knows me, so he didn't know to say no. <laughs> so I went, oh, okay then. So I stepped back, looked him up and down and said to him, you're kind of cute. How about you suck my cock? <laughs> and, and he's like, gets all off. I go, no, chill out, man, relax. That's her experience. <laughs> my eldest son heard me saying this and said to me later, aren't you worried that some bloke would take you up on it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hasn't happened so far, mate. <laughs> It's good. You're, you're, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's strange because, um, like, this is just like human decency, right? But in the States, at least, somebody would say that you're like, you're a feminist dad, you know, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know who wouldn't say that? My children. <laughs> my, the, for many years, I used to hold on to this thing that my eldest daughter said to me when she was, I don't know, 20, 22, something like that. She said to me, I know you're not a misogynist dad. And, and I held on to that for about 15 years yeah. until, until one day I remembered what she actually said was, I know you're not a misogynist dad. Fuck, you can sound like one. <laughs> uh, but joking and communicating about these things, I mean, this is how how beliefs are actually instilled, right? Like it's it's a big demonstration of like how to be, like how if we can talk about something in a lighthearted manner, you know. It's, it's a, I believe that to, to, to be absolutely true. We know we're okay with things when we can make a joke about it. Yeah. And the things that, you know, one of the things my dad used to say was, to be funny, it has to be offensive. <laughs> you're just hoping not to offend the person you're telling. Right, yeah. Unless you do want to offend them. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're at an hour, man. And I, Steve, I had such a great time talking with you. I'm like so thankful that you reached out to me. And thank you for sharing so openly so that other people can have, you know, the similar identification that you had when you heard that other episode and identification with other things as well. So, um. And that's maybe just that one message. Eh? If, if it's possible that there are someone out there that could listen and go, actually, I'm okay being me. Yeah. And, and if a, a woman could listen and hear, oh, actually, there maybe there's a bisexual man that I don't have to be frightened that he's going to leave me or cheat on me if he says he isn't going to. You've done your job. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Nice talking yeah. to you, Brad. You too. Take care, man. All right, so that's our episode for today. I hope you were able to identify with Steve as Steve was able to identify with the previous guest and that there's something from every episode that helps you accept yourself a little bit more. In other news, um, some scheduling updates. So you may have noticed in the last few months, I have been really struggling to keep up with production of this show. And now as we're approaching winter, um, normally the season would end at the end of December and I would take January off before launching the new season, but just given where things are and, um, how burnout I'm feeling, I've made the decision that I'm actually going to extend the winter time off from just January to include December as well. Meaning today's show was the last episode of season two, it's something I'm choosing to do rather than give up on the show, which honestly, 
I feel like I'm on the brink of every single week. So I hope you all have a cozy, safe, wonderful winter, and I will be back to talk with you in February. I wish you well, and keep those messages coming. (laughs) All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at sexcompod.com. That's S-E-X-C-O-M-P-O-D.com. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sexcompod at gmail.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. It could be you.